What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Sports Inventory with your host, Ben Kuchipudi and E. Grizzy Graham. Ben, how you doing? I'm doing great. You know, it's really cold where I am right now. It's actually negative 11 degrees with the wind chill. So I'm inside my dorm, really cozy right now. A little scared to go outside, so hopefully it gets a little better. Same thing here, Ben. I already got the Snuggie in the washing machine, ready to take it out and watch a film. But let's move on, because we got a we got a quite an interesting episode today. Oh, baby, do we really? So, a few hours ago, we got a Shams bomb, Woj bomb, whatever y'all want to call it. And this this isn't the first time it happened. Kyrie Irving has requested a trade from the Brooklyn Nets. We've kind of I've I've seen this coming because this. This relationship was just never going to work out. But Tyler, what are your thoughts on this absolute bomb that was just dropped th- this afternoon? I got to be real with you, Ben. I don't. I don't think it's much of a bomb. I'm not surprised. I, I really am not surprised. Kyrie Irving has become probably one of the most polarizing figures in all of sports as of late. Um, this past two years has been nothing short of oh my god. I think that's the best phrase I can I could pose it here. But. He's an immense talent, my, one of my favorite basketball players of all time. I, he makes, you know, if God came down and he said, get 15 players together, he's on, that, he's on that roster of 15. Like, he's just so amazing and so fluent. What he does for, you know, the African-American community and everything else in between is awesome. But he just, I guess, I guess he just doesn't want to deal with the process. I, I, he, you know, he just started a family. I'm seeing pictures floating around of him with his kid at the arena. Um, and something's, you know, of the family starting. And, that, and that, that's a big thing for NBA players. It's very hard to juggle family life, um, partners, and a career in the NBA. You're constantly on the road, constantly traveling. And that wears you down as a human being. And um, Brooklyn is obviously going through their fair share of mishaps. You know, Kevin Durant's injury and the fact that the rest of the roster isn't really performing like they should. But... Um, I wasn't surprised by this, Ben, and um, I think this is really going to shake up the deadline market here because a lot of teams are already shopping for certain pieces, and lo and behold, you know, obviously some teams would want to jump on probably one of the most talented individuals in basketball to ever dribble a basketball. But before we get into that, let's just discuss the All-Stars before we get into anything trade deadline-y because, you know, let's address the elephant in the room. So All-Star weekend... Not that far away. It's um, only about uh, two weeks away. And yesterday, the reserves were announced. And at least in my opinion, I feel like a, I think a lot of other people have the same opinions. We were not happy with the results of these reserves. There are guys who <laughs> made the team that shouldn't have made it. And there are guys that have gotten snubbed in a big way. So I want to start with the Easter Conference because I feel like there are two names on the list that, uh, that shouldn't have been uh, All-Stars. And that's DeMar DeRozan and Drew Holiday. Both respectable veteran players, and they're they're very they're very good. They have their uh their own legacies, but I feel like there are a number of guys who definitely could have made it over them. The one I really have a gripe with right now is Demar Derozan. He's out. He's putting up great numbers: twenty six points a game, five rebounds, five assists. But the Bulls are a middling team that might be out of the play in very soon, and this it's a team that might be willing to blow it up. So I was a little shocked to see Demar's name in the. In the All-Star ballot, and there are a number of guys in the East who I feel like definitely should have made it, namely Jimmy Butler, Darius Garland, Jalen Brunson, Trey Young, Pascal Siakam. List even goes on and on. And I feel like it's I feel like Holiday and DeRozan could be interchangeable with either the either of these players because I feel like the impact that these players have had on their teams, the the guys who are snubbed, I feel like De, the impact that DeRozan and Holiday have 
isn't like that. Now, I may be a little biased since I'm a Knicks fan. I I think Jalen Brunson deserved to be an all-star over both of these guys. You know, the name Jalen Brunson isn't a household name. It doesn't have the sexy appeal that a DeMar DeRozan has. But if you look at Brunson's numbers, they don't stand off the page. 23.6 assists, 3.5 rebounds. But his leadership on the court has really helped turn the Knicks around. Without that, Without him... There would probably be a team that would be 10 games below 500 instead of a team that's fighting for a top 60 in the East. So I think Brunson's leadership and just the, just what we see on the court is just shows that he should be an all-star. And the same thing goes for um, Jimmy Butler. You know, the Heat faltered when he was injured. And Butler, when he's on the court, is one of the most impact, impactful players in the league. So there are a lot of guys, there are a number of guys in the East who I feel like should have made over these two, but congratulations to Holiday and DeRozan on their respective spots. This, this East squad is very interesting, but I noticed that it, it's pretty guard heavy. So the snubs were bound because, you know, we're in a day and age where the guard is probably the most available talent wise position in the league. Right. And I find it interesting that Bam made it over Jimmy, which is like, what, what like the reason a lot of the success comes from Miami is Jimmy Buckets. You know, Jimmy B, we all know and love him. And the culture that he brings to Miami, he should be on this roster. I think the most out of all the snubs. James Harden obviously not being here is a very weird sight because for the past however many years he's always been an all-star. And Jalen Brunson needs to, you know, he needs he needs to, he deserves credit. Like like the kid can ball. He's doing something in New York that no one has done in a while. And if New York, in, you know, in the upcoming future, surrounds him with the necessary pieces. He could be a really good option and a really good adhesive to keep a team together. And he's been balling in really good situations like a couple of nights ago, you know, keeping it close, keeping it whatever. Um, it's just really, really interesting, um, this all-star list. And I, I first and foremost, I do want to congratulate Donovan Mitchell, you know, really getting that in there. Zion, you know. Finally getting his footing back, his health is there, and he's being really, really good. And obviously you have usual suspects of Jokic and Tatum and Curry and blah, 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 whatever. But I think this all-star list is really showing us the future is here, Ben. You know, um, I still remember the days when it was young KD with no facial hair and Braun was doing his thing with Dwayne Wade and, you know, all these other superstars. But now you're seeing all-stars like Tyrese Halliburton. You know, Drew Holiday, look at that. Lori Marketing, you know, Julius Randle, DeMontis Sabonis. It's really, really interesting that, you know, our childhood of basketball is is somewhat leaving us, Ben. You know, the new guys really? are here. The new guys are here. And they're here to stay. You know, Shaq Gilgis Alexander has become this perennial talent. Lori Marketing is getting his reps in Utah. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are, are going to become regular all-stars at this point every year. And... It's really it's really cool to see that the young talent that we see drafted become what they were meant to be. But it's also sad that I don't get to see the All Star games that I used to see, you know. And um, it's really it's it's really really you know really interesting to see an event like this pan out this way. And the fact that LeBron is a captain yet again, I just don't understand how this guy doesn't stop. Oh. He's now thirty eight years old, and um, that brings me to my next point: LeBron James. We all know LeBron James right now is inching. At Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's record. 63 points away from the record. 63 points away. He currently stands at 38,325 points. Um, ben, what does breaking this record for LeBron mean? What do you think? So, I feel like for LeBron's legacy, this is... I feel like this is a big one. Because we all hear the 
we hear the Le- in the LeBron Jordan debates, the main argument that comes up is finals record. We are all, as we all know, Michael Jordan is six and zero in the finals, undefeated, while LeBron James is four and four and six, I believe, in the finals. Obviously, has a losing record, and that's the main gripe that people get with the LeBron Jordan goat debate. Michael Jordan, he wins more, but the longevity of LeBron James is just astonishing. The fact that he's still putting up insane numbers, 30 points a game at 38 years old is astonishing. No, I, There's no athlete in the world, aside from maybe Tom Brady, who has the ability to maintain such a high level of play at such an old age. And he's the sole reason why the Lakers are they're still out of the playoffs, even with them at this, playing at this level. But them only being about three games out of a six seed. Without LeBron James, they'd be a bottom feeder, a tanking for Victor Wembanyama type team. And with LeBron inching closer to Kareem's record, I think this is going to solid. I think it's going to help his um. This is definitely going to help his go argument. Personally, I still think Michael Jordan's the greatest player of all time, but I don't think I can. I don't think anyone can deny that LeBron James is the best player of all time, just based off of his talent and longevity. Because we've never seen anything like this in the world of sports. Just the way he's able to keep his body in such good shape at such an old age and continue to play with the same bounce and ferocity that he did his first stint in Cleveland when he was in Miami and his second stint in Cleveland. It's just unbelievable. And I'm not a LeBron James stand by any means, um, but just him inching towards Kareem's record, just it just shows how great a player he is. And when he inevitably retires, it's going to be a very, very, very sad day for the world of sports. I think it's going to be the day. It's going to be a very, very weird day. Like, we experienced that with Tom Brady calling off his retirement. I, first of all, sidebar, I think he is truly done with the game at this point, which is going to be very better. weird. That I'm, I'm, yeah. But anyway, before I get into LeBron itself, I want to talk about Kareem. LeBron achieved this achievement. He's going to be the youngest guy to do so. But he had threes, Right. Yes. Well, Kareem has only only made one three in his entire career, and he had this record far and few between, and nobody thought it was ever going to be touched. Think of how impressive that is from Kareem's standpoint, his longevity, his consistency to make that record happen. So all kudos to Kareem for setting this landmark, but obviously the king gets what he wants. He, I just want, he is currently averaging 30 30.1 points per game, 8.5 rebounds, and 7.1 assists. You want to hear something funny, Ben? Tell me. LeBron won MVP in 2013, okay? He won MVP in 2013, and he only averaged 26 points, 7 assists, and 8 rebounds. LeBron is having a better statistical season than his Miami Heat. 2013 MVP run. Unanimous unanimous MVP run. Unanimous MVP run, and he's not even getting a thought for an MVP vote this season. You know why? The league is so different now. It's just scoring, scoring, everybody's scoring. It's not impressive to score anymore. It's about team impact. And And the fact that he's still doing this, he's the oldest to do it, and he was the youngest to do it, I'm just so impressed. And and, uh, it's amazing to see this man do what he does from from the scenes in train wreck to space jam to the movie to multiverse the video game lebron is everywhere lebron is here lebron i i i for me personally i think the goat debate's a little silly but if there was a tier list i'll give you a tier list i think him and michael are an s tier and they're gonna shake hands there and play rock paper scissors and play ones with three dribbles 
you know, until the day they die. I think they're just they're just two different entities, two different guys from different cloths, but they're both high quality silk. It's it's a different debate here. And I know you're gonna be tuning into that game. I'm gonna be tuning into that game. And it's just awesome to see a guy that we grew up with basically at this point. Because when we were born, he was drafted, and our entire childhood and up life until hip like now is his career. It's really, really cool to see. And you know, when I when I grow old, my kids ask me, you know, who did you get to watch when you when you were my age? I'm just gonna I'm gonna point to LeBron Ramon James, the kid from Akron, the Akron Hammer, the chosen one, L Train, LeBron James. It's been an absolute sight to see, and it's been an awesome journey, LeBron. Thank you for all the memories. Honestly, whether it be good memories, bad memories, it's gonna be is the league is really changing. It's really changing. Absolutely, absolutely. But to move forward, uh, enough about you know the Kings talk or you know uh, the All Star games. Let's get to something that's six days away. Ben, February 9th is the NBA trade deadline, and as we all know, whether your team is struggling, not struggling, you can always use an addition or two to add to your team. Or if you got a you know somewhat lingering talent, you can maybe ship them away. Ben, is there any? quick teams that came straight to your mind when you talked about trades or teams that need to make a move to like help them or hurt them or do something well the the one team that i have the one team that i feel like desperately needs to make a move it's kind of obvious i feel like the dallas mavericks need to make a move for a second star for luca he needs that guy he's been playing out of his mind this season with with dallas and he's and the Mavericks are only three games above 500. Granted, that is the fourth seed in the Western Conference because it's so tight this year. Yeah, but Dallas is only three games in front of the 12 seed. My mistake, the 13 seed. So if a little losing streak can go a long way, especially in the Western Conference. Once you get past the the Kings or the third seed, it just gets really murky from there all the way to 13. So Dallas needs to make a move. I. Mark Cuban says everyone and every pick is on the roster. On the roster is open for trade, aside from obviously Mr. Luka Doncic. So, if I were Dallas, I'd call I'd call Brooklyn and try to put my absolute best offer for Kyrie as possible, because Kyrie and Luka Doncic should be a, such a dynamic duo. The defense will be lacking a little bit, but Dallas just needs another guy to carry the load when Luka's off when Luka's on the bench. And who else to do that but Kyrie? Absolutely. I just, I just think Dallas needs to. It, maybe it doesn't even need me for Kyrie. Get maybe someone, someone who's like a, a lower tier of player. Maybe, even like an OG Ananobi. Maybe a Gary Trent, a Fred Van Fleet. That's all Raptors. That's a little spoiler for later. So I think they can. I think they just need to get a second score, not even star, because. Spencer Dinwiddie has his moments when when Luca's out, but when Luca is playing, he doesn't do anything. Tim Hardaway Jr. is not that guy, and they have no one else on that roster who's capable of um, going one on one with someone and making their own shot, which is what Dallas lacks and what Dallas needs. And if Dallas can get that, I can definitely see them catapulting the Kings and even the Grizzlies to get a top three seed in the West. Absolutely, Ben. I'm gonna hit you with this real quick. I don't know if you hear this. Hold on, hold on. I'm gonna open this can right here. You hear that, Ben? That's tea, iced tea. You don't hear the tea right here, Ben? I think Luca has been surrounded with talent before. He just can't coexist with them. Boom. I said it. Someone had to say it. Honestly, minute, fair the enough. Minute, I mean, the minute Kristaps at- leaves, he's having a cool little year in 
you know, Washington. You know, the minute Jalen Brunson leaves, he's having a career here in New York. I think the talent has always been there. I just think that Luka takes control a little too much. The thing about it is, if Kyrie joins this team, sure, it'll look cool. Sure, Dallas would be buzzing. And everybody would be really scared of that backcourt or frontcourt. Sometimes I mix them up. But at the end of the day, I don't know if they can truly exist. Because Luka needs the ball in his hands. You know who else needs the ball in his hands to make a cool Kyrie. impact? Kyrie Irving. Absolutely so, right. What kind of stars do you surround Luka with? You surround him with the same kind of formula LeBron. Shooters, defenders, two-way forwards, wings, and centers. You can't surround a guy with a ball-dominant guy. That just doesn't work that way. If I'm Mark Cuban, I'm going to call up Brooklyn because obviously that will fill my seats and all these other things. But I won't give away a lot because the rest of the roster still needs work. And I, I wouldn't be willing up to give a guy that has the potential and ceiling and has the age for a star that is not guaranteed to show up to work tomorrow, even though he's the most talented basketball player I don't think I think I've ever seen. So it's like that's the big thing. I think I think Dallas should focus more on a guy who's more readily available, has the age, and can coexist with a ball dominant guy such as Luca. Like you said, OG Anunoby. I think the Toronto saga is going to be a really one that could shake up the NBA because I think if OG goes to the right situation, that team can flourish because I think OG is a really, really good star. I just think that he needs to be in a good situation to prove that because I think Toronto is going to blow it up soon. They will. Think, it's inevitable. Yeah, I think I think Pascal is going to move on. I think, I think they're already shopping Fred Van Fleet as we speak. They're shopping Fred Van Fleet. They're shopping OG. They're shopping Gary Trent. Everyone on that Toronto team is, is up for grabs except for Scotty Barnes. Because the Raptors have been disappointed this year. They were a five seed. They were a five seed last year. Yep. And now they're sitting at a 12 seed, 23 and 30 record. It just makes sense for Toronto to blow up. And the whole league that is in contention for a playoff spot or for a championship should be calling up Toronto because Fred Van Vliet would be a perfect fit for Dallas or maybe seem like the Suns or a team like the Clippers. Gary Trent Jr., any team that needs shooting, whether it be a starting lineup or onto the bench, a.k.a. the Lakers, they could use someone like Gary Trent, OG Ananobi, one of the more underrated players in the NBA. Great shooter. He leads the league in steals, actually. So he's a, a prototypical 3 and D defender. Absolutely. And he would love his services. And I already know the Knicks are offering multiple first-round picks for Ananobi. It's just a will. It. It's just a matter of, is it enough? Yeah, because the, the thing about Toronto, right, is they're, they're obviously they're, they're Kawhi Leonard- Buzzer beating Sixers shot and beating up the you know badly injured Warriors team for the championship is those days are long behind them right and I think Nick Nurse is simply just being figured out as a coach and I, I think it's just high time they got to blow it up sorry Drake love you but your team is going to be garbage in a year so the thing is I do think OG is probably the biggest piece from that um and we, we live in a we live in a day and age where the wing is probably the most like the biggest position right and uh, OG. OG's a phenomenal athlete. What is he? Six seven has this massive wingspan. Has quite the stroke, and he can he can really do a lot of things for a team. One team that I want him personally on, obviously saying as a fan of them, is Golden State. I I think that Golden State right now is also teetling on that five hundred thing. We just lost to the Nuggets the other night, and Steph Curry performed fine. It's just they need that 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 wing right. And if we can't land him, I personally would like Matisse Thybul because he's losing minutes in Philadelphia to Tyrese Maxey, James Harden, and Shake Milton. I would love Matisse Thybul on the Warriors. I think that's a cool little trade. 
that uh, Bob Meyer should pursue. I also want to bring up this interesting note because uh, this is why I bring up the Warriors. Not only am I a fan, but Bob Myers' GM quote. Um, he went on 95.7 The Game Radio, and he said this on the radio show. He said, I've talked to a lot of GMs, and I've asked them what they're trying to do. And they're all like, I don't even know what to do. I think we're good enough, but we're 500. That's unique. He's saying that this year's a really weird spot where everybody's just kind of good. You know? Yeah. Kind of good, and they can't really go over the hump. He goes on to say further, this year is different because there are less sellers I think the league thought more teams would clearly be out of the playoffs at this time, but that's not the case. There aren't a lot of teams making the decision that the season is lost. If 22 of the 30 teams in the league are all wanting to get better, it doesn't make for a lot of trading partners. That's, that's interesting. He, he's saying, and I mean, I think that's a fair assessment, 22 out of the 30 NBA teams could get better and could make playoff pushes. So I mean, like, I mean, look at the Western Conference. Absolutely. Thirteen of the fifteen teams are within striking spot of a playoff. Oklahoma City, who's the thirteen seed, twenty four and twenty seven. They're only a game out of the play in. Yep, yep. I, I've never yeah. seen an NBA season like this where approaching All Star break, I see so many teams that are just pretty mediocre pushing good. Like it's a really weird time in the NBA, and if there's a lot of movement at the trade deadline. A lot of those teams will fall off, but a lot of those other teams will get really, really good. And every team is one piece away from being a contender, a favorite, a deep playoff push. Like, I know it's ridiculous, but if the Lakers got Kyrie, holy garbanzo beans, Batman, that's going to be a a team because they need something like that, you know? Um, Golden State's one piece away. You know, Dallas is one piece away from making a, a crazy push. Even Memphis adding some, you know, role play. Even Gary Trent on like a Memphis squad. I just think that the biggest seller in this trade deadline is definitely going to be Toronto. The I biggest like name. Seller that I, think, I think the Charlotte Hornets are going to be a seller. You know, yeah. Charlotte is one of the worst teams in the league. Currently a 50, 15 and 30 record, fourth worst team in the league. Mm-hmm. Every vet on that team is going to be available. Whether it's Terry Rozier, Kelly Oubre, um, Gordon Hayward, any vet on that, anyone over the age of twenty-five on that team is going to be available, and uh, and those are all bench pieces, maybe fringe starters on on playoff contending teams. So a lot of teams that are looking to make that final push towards contender status, or the mid-tier team that's looking to get a, a good starter that can help make a playoff push, I would call up Charlotte because Terry Rozier, my opinion, one of the most underrated players in the league. He's he's a very streak shooter. He knows how to create his own shot. Averaging a career high 21 points a game this year. A lot of career highs, Ben. A lot of career highs. I just think that the problem with Charlotte compared to Toronto is Charlotte not only has older players that you can shop for, but all their contracts are horrendous. Horrendous, Ben. Bro, they're paying Gordon Hayward the GDP of a small country, you know, like they're kind of in contract hell. So if I'm Charlotte, I got to offload some of these. They paid Terry Rozier too. They plan on playing, uh, paying LaMelo. Um, it's it's a mess over in Charlotte right now. Michael Jordan got to figure it out. Michael Jordan, obviously a phenomenal player. Not really a good owner. Not the greatest GM. Yeah, not the greatest GM or owner, whatever you want to classify the occupation for. I just think that, yeah, Charlotte's definitely going to be a big seller. I think Toronto's going to be a big one because their entire starting roster could be moved besides Scotty. Which would be kind of crazy, like just the whole roster gutted. Um, I think obviously the biggest name is Kyrie, but I think going forward, that's like the biggest question mark because 
for the past two years, you know, his availability has been the biggest question, you know. When he's when he shows up to the arena, he balls every night in, every night out. He gives it his all. But it's a matter of showing up to the arena to give it its all. You know, whether it's, you know, COVID or certain whatever, it doesn't really matter. It's just like it like does somebody want to deal with Kyrie's somewhat um like you know big inability to show up you know like it's like it's nothing a guarantee like two weeks ago he was saying he wanted a contract extension with brooklyn i guess the deal never went through now he requests a trade and that blows everything up and where does kd stand on this where, where does sal what's what's the owner's name i forget the owner's name. jason sow or so whatever he said i think josai 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 sorry um where does he stand on this you know you have you you signed three guys james harden kd Kyrie. james harden already left you um now you got Kyrie leaving you. What do you do with KD? The minute he's injured, does he hightail it? Do you start unloading the roster now? Do you go straight into poverty? Go Victor Webanyamra? I, I don't know. Like it's really, really tough because Brooklyn built a house of cards they couldn't maintain with. And uh, just a couple of events later, the whole house of cards topples. And that's an also another team that has a lot of cool pieces that if a team required them, it'd be cool. Like, imagine Seth Curry on a contending team just shooting threes, doing his thing. You know, Yuta want to be uh, – Yuta just having a career year from the three-point line, that'd be really cool. A lot of teams need shooters. You, the Pacers, Buddy Heald, Miles Turner. You have a lot of these – this team could the, – the, the, the league could look a lot different after the ninth. Like, I hope it does because they're – I love movement at the trade deadline. It just makes it more interesting. And I just want to bring up another note about the Nets. You know, this from Tyler, do you remember? I think it was it was one of our very first episodes. It was when KD requested a trade. Do you, you remember? I'm sure I'm sure you remember that episode. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Great episode. It's just coming, it's just coming full circle with Brooklyn. We knew this was never gonna work. The Eagles with Kyrie, KD, when they had James Harden on the team, James Harden, it's just too much for someone to handle. And that's how Steve Nash got canned, respectfully. Yeah, um, he was the fall guy. He was the fall guy. He was. Jacques Vaughn did a great job getting this team back under control. But look at Kyrie now. And the thing with Kyrie that's going to make teams – that's going to be a big thing on a Brooklyn and a other teams wanting to trade for Kyrie – Kyrie is a free agent this offseason. So that's yes, going to You're getting him for half a season. Yeah, so unless you you get unless Kyrie is committed to signing an extension. Let's say Kyrie gets traded to Dallas for whatever reason. And let's say he doesn't commit to Dallas long term and he leaves in free agency for a Lakers or someone like that. Dallas is screwed. Yeah. They like Dallas is done if cuz Luka could request a trade after that, it's just going to fall. So the thing is with um teams you're going to have to make sure Kyrie wants to stay with your organization long term. And also if you're on for the for the net side of things, this is going to also this is also going to hinder how much you can get back for Kyrie because there are going to be teams who are wary about how many uh about how much they'll go for Kyrie. You know, I saw a post on uh, Instagram by ESPN today. They were talking about four potential trade offers for Kyrie. I was cuz and we all know ESPN, Bleacher Report, they don't have the greatest trade offers. You know that, right? So they're, they're more of like an infotainment kind of, you know, uh, site. They're, they just want eyes on their stuff, not necessarily, you know, f- f- trades of merit. Yeah. Yeah. So I was looking. The the two, I think there are, t- um, two, there are three or four teams that were on that post to trade for Kyrie. One of them was the Lakers offering Russell Westbrook, um, Lonnie Walker, and a first-round pick. Bad, but it could be a lot worse. 
Yeah. And then I see offers for the Dallas Mavericks and the Heat. Ma- they had Dallas giving up Spencer Dinwiddie, Reggie Bullock, and JaVale McGee. And they had Miami giving up Kyle Lowry, Nikola Jovic, and another bench player. I forgot who it was. I was thinking to myself, you guys are insane. This is Kyrie Irving. This is, a- this is so – whoever is getting Kyrie is getting him in a steal. But I, re- I read it a little more. I think this is a su- – this is – this is because he's essentially on a half-year contract. Yeah, yeah. Not, these teams aren't going to give up a lot for someone who's going to play for a half season. I I just think that wherever Kyrie's head is at, let's say he's in his head for winning, right? I don't think Dallas is the right move because the rest of the roster is pretty shaky. If he wants to win, you either go to LA or Miami. I think him and Miami with Jimmy Butler and Bam would be awesome, absolutely awesome, and. The thing about Miami is they have like spells and waves where they just have like bad shot selection and streaky shooting and just like they go on runs of like not a run like they just don't score. And Kyrie would be like the best solution for that. Like, oh, we can't score. Let's give the ball to number 11. You know, like that'd be a really cool sight to see him in Miami. Some of those alternate kits, he'd look tough in. That'd be really cool for Miami. And I think Eric Spolscher could handle Kyrie. I think he'd be put him in certain sets and certain situations, and it could take the scoring load off of Jimmy Butler, making him a second option, which would be awesome for Jimmy because sometimes, you know, his bag is a little limited sometimes, and putting him in a situation where he can be, takes better shots getting to spots would be awesome for him. Obviously, LA, they reunite with LeBron, and we all know LeBron's probably the only guy to have a, you know, Kyrie as Kyrie Irving the, the, the way we love him, and... Um, obviously the Lakers are trying to do everything. I mean, I don't know if they're trying to do everything because all they did was got Ruri Hachimura and some of the lineups are really questionable. Darvin Ham has been doing an okay job, but they still want to win. They're still in a win now state because as long as you have LeBron, you're a contender, right? That's the rule. And AD, he's flowing his stuff back, but the rest of that roster is garbage. And if you trade away a bunch of players for Kyrie, you're going to have to fill out that roster with the rest of them. And they've already had questionable free agent acquisitions. So it's like, okay, they're going to offload those guys. What are they going to replace them with? You know, that's going to be really, really tough. And I don't know, if, he, if he's in a, like a bag-chasing state, you know, he could go to a team that has a lot of cap space, sit them out the rest of the year, just pull it up like a measly 25 a game, whatever, and then collect a bag from them. I don't really know where his head's at. You know, he just has a family. Um, it's kind of stressful on a family to constantly be moving. So I don't know where he's at, but I, all I know is I just want to see him play because he's awesome to watch. Yeah, um, there's one more team that I want to bring up where that Kyrie could go to, and this is a team he's honestly when Kyrie, when Kyrie first requested a trade from Cleveland, this is a team that was on the top of his list, and that's the Suns. And I feel like the Suns are in a very, I feel like they're in desperation mode almost because they've dramatically underperformed this year, twenty seven and twenty six, still a seven C in the East, but they really had to claw their way to the record because there was a stretch where there are a few games below five hundred. But now they're trying to pick their game up. Devin Booker is coming back from injury. But I feel like if they want to get back to contender status, because I feel like their window is honestly closing a little bit, I think they should try to pull a move for Kyrie. You know, Jay Crowder has been wanting out of Phoenix for a while. Chris Paul could be used as a salary filler. You have guys like Cam Johnson you could trade, Campaign, Dario Saric, Torrey Craig, Joshua Kochi, Landry Shamit. All those guys you can... Give a respectable offer for Brooklyn because these are all these aren't just some um, bench plays. These are shooters you can give Kevin Durant. And I feel like Chris Paul would be a pretty good fit on that Brooklyn team because it's a pass first guy who doesn't have to take the ball away from Durant. They can just let him do his thing. 
And with Kyrie, you get another score with Devin Booker, someone younger, and it just makes um, Phoenix a lot better because I truly think this is Phoenix's last sh- last stand to contend because we all know DeAndre Ayton does not want to be in Phoenix. We know he's unhappy there. He's very unhappy. And I think Devin Booker isn't too far off from requesting a trade from Phoenix, especially after they faltered last year against Dallas in the playoffs and them falling short against Milwaukee two years ago. I feel like another disappointing season in Phoenix should really be the end of the, of the Suns because these are because Aiton and Booker are young guys who want to win. And if they underperform, I feel like they're going to want out. So why not try to bring in someone like Kyrie to try to wait, get that last championship push before they possibly blow it up? Yeah, Phoenix would be really interesting. It's just a matter of what you're sending away from Phoenix because I don't think Kyrie and Chris Paul could really coexist per se. I would say, I would say Chris Paul would have to be in the package just for salary to match, you know? Yeah, yeah, because they, they are paying him tooth, nail, and limb, you know, up in the $30, $40 million range. So, like, that'd be really, really interesting. But I, I don't know. Like, I think DeAndre Hayden has to be involved if I'm Brooklyn because I really want that young stud to pair with KD. And also, if they do move Kyrie, because th- let's remember this, Ben, from the episode we also covered. They, they requested trade, but they never were traded. So it's like, you know, you could request a trade and it never fall through. So, like, obviously, this is all going to be whatever. But, you know, if I'm Brooklyn and I do have to lose Kyrie, I have to get Aiton in return. He's, he's an awesome athlete and... The way they're utilizing him in Phoenix is how they utilized every single center in Chris Paul's career. A lob threat, rim protection, blah, blah, blah. I think DeAndre Ayton can really dominate this league if he's given the keys to the kingdom. It's That's just like... Fair. It, the it's thing just, is with Ayton, like, I feel like Brooklyn wouldn't even be a good spot for him because Brooklyn already has their own dominant center. Yeah, Nicholas Claxton's emergency. Breakout year. I just... I would include Ayton in the trade if Claxton didn't have this season because... I, I honestly, I would hate the fit in Brooklyn if I'm DeAndre Ayton with Claxton at center. It's two really non-shooting bigs that are going to be in the middle. If Claxton was still a backup center level, throw Ayton right in. That's fine. But right now with the emergence of Claxton, I feel like it has to be cr- like a combination of Chris Paul, Dario Saric, Damian Lee, Cam Johnson, some picks, some combination of that. Yeah, yeah. But, but also then again, though, if Kyrie comes to town, does that change Monty Williams' idea of what Aiton could be? You know, because, like, we've seen Aiton in college when he played at Arizona. He was a shack with a jump shot. You know, we, you've said that, Ben. That That's your quote. And it was like, mm-hmm. like, why isn't he utilized like that? It's because of Chris Paul. Every time a team has Chris Paul, the big man is reduced to its simplest form, rim protection and lob threat. Yeah, that's it. So if they do that, Chris Paul's either moving or DeAndre Ayton's moving. And if I'm acquiring Kyrie, I imagine I'd lose Chris Paul because I just can't have them two on a court. It just really wouldn't work. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah, absolutely. But I think Phoenix is, is – I think it's pushing dark horse, but I think it would be really, really interesting if that were the move. But if I'm Brooklyn, like, I'm, I'm, I'm in a desperation mode because, like, I paid all this money. I got all this stuff together. I made all these jerseys. You know, there's murals all over Brooklyn. I've seen them. All for what? You know, all for what? Like nothing. I've gotten nothing out of this excursion. It's been the sh- like we're, Ben. We're gonna be a decade later. We're gonna talk about. You remember that one time, like that one season where we saw Kyrie and KD. Like it never worked out. Like a biggest what if in NBA history. Yep. I think it's it's gonna fall into that category. Like what if they stayed together? What if it worked? Yeah. And I just really, I I just think that if I'm Kyrie, for my family's sake, 
I got to go someplace where it's nice for I can raise my family, do right. Um, I either got to go to Florida with Miami and Jimmy Butler, which is a suitable system. Uh, Eric, great coach, great system, great culture, great teammates too. Or I, I go with LeBron and I, I rekindle something that hasn't been seen in a long time. But I also send Russell Westbrook to Brooklyn for her, our, you know, a reunion with KD. It's, 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 it's like financially impossible to get a Kyrie without giving up Westbrook. Yeah, Westbrook is being paid everything but the kitchen sink. And that needs to be moved if I'm Rob Palenka. And uh, I assume other people probably involve like Lonnie Walker possibly or Troy Brown Jr. something. But if I'm the Lakers, I'm in a win-now state mode because I'm not going to have LeBron forever. He's already said several times, he said it in Sports Illustrated magazine, he's going to want to play with his son. And you're not going to get his son in the draft. And LeBron's contract is structured where as soon as that kid's drafted, he's an unrestricted free agent. So you want to win now because the Lakers are the Lakers. They're the most historic, probably one of the most decorated franchises besides the Yankees and obviously the Celtics. And they want to win again, you know, because their last ring was considered a bubble ring. Their last legitimate ring, according to a lot of the NBA community, when Kobe was on the joint. You know, that's been a long time. So they're definitely in a win-now state. They want to appease the fans. And if I'm the NBA, you know, we're, we're, there's a lot of talk about scripts, you know. There's a lot of what – I might try to make this happen if I'm Adam Silver because that will, you know, make the numbers interesting. It would so, be a lot of viewership. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'll I'm see. I, I, just, I just think that – I think it goes one of two ways, Ben. I think the NBA is going to look super different after the ninth or exactly the same. And I'd be really disappointed with the latter. I really want to see a lot of change because deadlines, drafts, like where, where there's momentum and movement amongst teams get me really excited. So I really hope after the ninth, it's going to be a really, really different looking league. I agree. Before we hop off this, uh, this uh, wonderful pod once again, I have there's another sleeper spot I have for Kyrie. And I feel like... Uh, it's so tough with this team because they are really in a dry spell right now. If they were, if this was two months ago, it'd be perfect. I think you might know which team I'm talking about. Lay it on me, Benjamin. That's the New Orleans Pelicans. Mm-hmm. Losers of ten straight. It's hard to believe this team was the one seed in the West just a few months ago, mm-hmm. and they've really fallen off a cliff. Granted, that's due to injuries to Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram, but this is a, one of the most stacked teams in the NBA on paper, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And adding someone like Kyrie, granted everyone's healthy, would make New Orleans one of those dangerous teams in the league. I was, I'm always on the train that if New Orleans gets one more piece, they're championship contenders. Because Zion Williamson is a force on the court. Brandon Ingram is one of the most underrated players in the league. CJ McCollum has had a little bit of a resurgence in New Orleans. Jonas Valanciunas is having career numbers. And you got a, a, even a very nice young core off the bench with Jose Alvarado, Herb Jones, Trey Murphy, Dyson Daniels. And even some vets like Larry Nance and Devontae Graham, Najee Marshall, they this is a good Pelicans team. And honestly, I think they could give up the best package for Kyrie without killing their roster too much. And yeah. if the Pelicans are in a better spot, and I don't know if they're trying to be buyers right now at the deadline because this team has lost 10 in a row. I feel like if they get Kyrie, they could a little bit of a stress, but they, they're probably a top three team in the West with Kyrie. Just imagine a starting lineup of Kyrie, CJ McCollum, Brandon Ingram, Zion, and Jonas Valanciunas. Just imagine. That'd be pretty cool, and it would low-key turn into New, or- New Orleans Blue Devils because there's a lot of Duke alumni on that team. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you go from Kyrie to Zion to Brandon Ingram. I just think their biggest problem is the health thing, and I also think that's a contributing factor of why Kyrie's leaving Brooklyn. It's health. 
their best player is injured, right? And, you know, availability is the biggest ability, right? So I think, you know, I think that's why he wants to leave is because either offer me a lot of money or I'm not going to take a pity deal because this team is unhealthy. So I think that might be the biggest turnoff for Kyrie if he were to go to NOLA is the health issue. You know, their their best player being Zion also being injured. So, like, I think Kyrie wants to go to, like, a, a plug-and-play, ready-to-play, available squad. And there's not really much of those nowadays because everybody's they're getting banged up. They're getting banged up out here, you know? LeBron has had off games, Jimmy Butler's have off games, Zion, Kate, everybody's getting injured. And we can save that for another pod episode, Ben, because I I actually wanted to talk to you about that, on why there's so many injuries in the NBA. You know, I hear all this talk about, oh, in the 90s, we didn't have this much, you know, injuries going on, and they did way less. Like, I think we should definitely make that for uh, an episode in the future, because it's also another question of why there's so much unavailability. You know, what's what, is load management helping or hurting? I don't know. I feel like load management's not really helping. Yeah, yeah. But that could be a, a story for a different day, Ben. But as always, this has been awesome, Ben. It's been a pleasure recording this one. And hopefully by that time ne- by this time next week, we're gonna see a lot of change in the NBA. Absolutely. But we're also gonna see a Super Bowl upcoming soon. So we'll catch you next time. We will right before Super Bowl Sunday. Um, thank you all for listening in. Once again, I'm Ben Kuchapudi. I'm T Grizzly Graham. Guys, have a good one. We'll catch y'all next Friday. Peace out.